0: up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's August 31st, 2021, and the withdrawal from Afghanistan after 20 years of war is almost complete. Today's guest is Alex cornell Dehu, a public affairs officer for the U.S. Navy Reserve's former Maine State representative, Iraq veteran, and graduate of Bowdoin College. cornell Dehu spent a lot of time on the ground in Afghanistan and recently has been working to evacuate judges and journalists. Alex cornell DeHu joins me by phone. Welcome, Alex Cornell-Dahou.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: You can imagine my surprise, Alex, when I was flipping through the Wall Street Journal on Monday, August 30th, and saw a picture of you with the Afghan deputy ambassador to the U.S., Abdul Hasil Hadi. I don't know how to pronounce his name. And you are pictured in the peacock lounge of the Washington Willard Hotel working with a very eclectic group of powerful people trying to evacuate people from Afghanistan. So first, have you seen the picture of yourself in the Wall Street Journal?
1: I actually haven't seen the photo. People have sent me uh, the the quotes, uh, so I'm aware of it, but... yeah, we were—we we're all had this command center basically um, at the hotel to evacuate as many Afghans and the allies as we could.
0: Well, I'll save the photo for you because it's very exciting. So, why don't we begin the interview? Um, listeners should know that you and I did serve together in the House briefly. At that time, um, you were working with the Truman Project. Now, obviously, you're—you're you're doing other things. But why don't we start just by hearing what's your relationship to Afghanistan?
1: so i was in the marine corps for uh, seven years as an infantry demolitions of rockets and then uh, when i was in the legislature um commander summers now captain summers he was the secretary of state happened to be like hey you've got to get a commission in the navy um the reserve and uh, of course he and the general made a cardboard cut out of me called it flat alex put it in house chief in his speaker's roster and said hey if you don't take a commission we're going to commission Flat Alex." So promptly the next day I ended up in the Navy. Um, (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, and and I'm so happy they uh, did that, because um, what ended up happening is, uh, with Navy Public Affairs, I've had some tremendous opportunities to uh, see a lot of places around the world and to uh, help a lot of people. Uh, Just to be very clear, um, this interview is my personal opinions, not those of the government the united states navy
0: well and speaking of um, your personal uh, on your personal twitter feed there's a beautiful picture of afghanistan a beach scene and and you describe it with what seems to be kind of a um you know you liked afghanistan when you were there is that fair
1: yeah so uh, i was deployed out to afghanistan in 2018 and it is a beautiful country i mean i'd love to ski there one day um Unfortunately, right now, the circumstances would never allow that, uh, maybe for a long time ever. But it, the people there are very friendly, and it's a beautiful landscape. Uh, there are many challenges, obviously, and the, it's been also hit by a major drought this year, which is compounding things. Um, but uh, between the mountainous areas and the uh, rivers and the scenery, uh, it's, it's really a wonderful place.
0: How, how is it that you became connected with this hedge fund man, Van Meter, and this group in the conference room of the Willard Washington Hotel, according to the Wall Street Journal, working in one of the most successful civilian evacuation efforts. H- how did that come to pass? How did you become part of a group that volunteered to evacuate people from Interestingly,
1: Afghanistan? Um, Interestingly, it started with one uh, getting one journalist out. So as we knew, we were... Uh, Phasing down operations and retrograding out. Um, I I got a call from a friend uh, who was like, "Hey, we have this journalist stuck." And then at the same similar time, um, I'd served there with uh, another Navy uh, lieutenant, Jessica, and uh, we had been running many times with the organization Free to Run, and we would allow women who wanted to participate in athletics on our base to practice and um, train, uh, particularly running. And both the journalist and the free to run uh, women were trapped. I mean, they couldn't find a way out. Uh, so uh, I essentially called as many friends as I could and figure out like, hey, okay, how do we get them out? And uh, where
0: were you located at the time, Alex?
1: Um, at that time, I was, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, what happened essentially was started out with one journalist, ended up into uh, working to get convoy of 600 out and uh, so forth. So we were successful in getting Fatima um, to safety. Um, I've been through NATO school, I knew some friends at the Ukraine and um, the Ukrainian Special Forces. And uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, we can. Uh, we'll extract her while we're extracting some of the crew that we need to get on their first government uh, flight out there." Um, and then they were kind enough to uh, offer a number of asylum slots and uh, transit visas. And the Ukrainians went back actually and helped us get a lot more people out, which was unbelievably um, grateful to their special forces team. The um,
0: the um, the story in the Wall Street Journal that was reported by Ben Kessling and others. Mentioned that there was a group of orphans that the um, Zach van meter the private equity guy from Florida. He was really set on Rescuing do you know if the group of orphans was ever safely evacuated?
1: So in the confusion of everything I didn't get essay on the group of or- orphans unfortunately um, We we were focusing on uh, the number of girls and women who were trapped as well as the number of journalists and so what it was just is a coalition of different groups coming together so we have everyone from the truman national security project um, to allied airlift to no one left behind um, and then the more niche groups that we looking at hey well we know the interpreters and some of the generals and others are being taken care of by no one left behind but what about the women and journalists who don't have a direct contract with us right if you're a you're not necessarily going to be contracted by the United States government. How do we ensure that theirs got the safety as well? Similar thing with the orphans, right? So there are some things I'm still tracking down uh, where they are, and uh, we think they may have gotten out, but with everything, uh, I'm not completely certain yet. So uh,
0: the, I need the story. To,
1: uh, look at the AAR.
0: The the story um again w- reporting on you specifically says alex cornell Dehu, who served in the marine corps in iraq was trying to maneuver a convoy of female judges past yeah. the taliban checkpoints surrounding the airport do you know if if any of the female judges that you were hoping to evacuate were
1: the last word i got was the number of them to get out so well um, that's
0: that's good news
1: that's good news I I have not I don't have absolute confirmation yet but that's what um, our group chat uh, did say so that's extremely relieving Um, and there's still a lot of people we know who didn't get out too but on the whole I mean over 120,000 people did get out which is extraordinarily wonderful but the sad news is that I'm getting messages from people who are still stuck there and it's absolutely like heart-wrenching because they're in danger and they see no hope.
0: Now, when you were performing this mission with this this group that you just described, did you feel like you were working with the American military, or kind of at odds with the American military was Was it a were, were you both sw- sw- you know paddling in the same direction?
1: Uh, yeah, in general, yes. I mean, almost everyone at, at the Willard right, were former military, current military, current or former State Department. And we we're volunteering our time, right? And so we put it together as an effort to reduce coordination, particularly on all the flights coming in and out, and making sure we get the PPRs and everything, and the clearances to land. Um, so we, we know how to run operations well, um, and wherever we could, we tie into the State Department and DOD. So I, I mean, I've been talking to the colonel who's on the was was on the base there, as well as our team has been talking with the Department of State. So in many ways, it's a coordinated effort. Um, in other ways, there's some challenges, obviously, um, where Department of State's priority, and understandably, is American citizens, whereas uh, some of our priorities are also to ensure that our allies um, that work with us have fought with us and supported our efforts and, uh, and promoted freedom there um, did not, uh, and are still stuck.
0: Do you think that the, or is it your opinion that the volunteer effort that you worked on uh, to evacuate people from Afghanistan, the civilian effort, uh, is, it a, is, a, is it a political statement of some type about President Biden's evacuation plan? Is it, is it commentary on that, that the United States military's plan wasn't adequate, or is it just uh, trying to help?
1: i'm not so sure it would be commentary on it we just came together because we knew there's a problem there's a problem that needed to be solved and it was every party every organization even the british uh, uh, veterans organizations we were chatting with them how to coordinate and get people out it didn't matter one of the amazing things about this is it really didn't matter what political party we were in or what what where your job was at state or if, uh the military everyone was just coming together to ensure that how do we get as many people out of Afghanistan to safety as quickly as possible and safely as possible? And that was one of the more heartwarming aspects of this operation, is to see all the organizations and veterans and others come together, united around this mission.
0: And why, it seems like this is an obvious question, but maybe it's not for our listeners, why was it a priority of yours or of the groups to evacuate women and um, women judges and journalists? Why, why does gender matter in this issue?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we served with many people who risk their lives. Unfortunately, we take it for granted sometimes in the US where uh, you speak up um, for gender equality and women's rights and it's amazing you can do it here and no consequences that are to the point where you'll be uh, really beaten or killed, right? Whereas in Afghanistan, under the Taliban, um, that is not the case. I mean, there are plenty of uh, cases, sadly, where women have been beaten. The the girls we were saving, the Taliban, entered their house, beat a couple of them up, graffitied their uh, apartment, and took away their running shoes and said, we'll be back. And that is obviously unacceptable.
0: And you were were you the, successful in saving them and in not saving them, but in evacuating them from Afghanistan?
1: Yes, that is one of the amazing, I'm so happy success stories. We got the, the, the those ladies and women out um, and girls too um, out and, and to safety. So that's they are
0: amazing. Um, <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah, it puts a big smile on my face to know that they get to the safety.
0: So did you have any per- like the Taliban? In the United States, are obviously the enemy in in large part. Do you have personal relationships with members of the Taliban just from having lived there and and recognizing that they are a a population with power? Do you personally know people who are Taliban?
1: No, I can't say I, I do. Uh, they when we were there, it, I mean, they were not necessarily recognized as a political entity, so to speak. Um, as we'd say, that would be above my pay grade for where I was working. Um, and in this case, um, to extract people, people on the ground were able to um, get past the Taliban checkpoints, unfortunately. And we did whatever we could to support them, but nothing. I did not interact interact directly with any Taliban.
0: And just describe what the what it was like being in that. Peacock Lounge Conference Room with people from all over the world and different experiences. Where it what, is, was it like working on a big campaign, or what, what were the dynamics like? What, were the, all different languages being spoken?
1: I mean, it, it's a uh, in many ways it was really heartwarming to see how everyone came together in this united mission. Right? And it, I've been into many joint operation centers and. What uh, impressed me is how efficiently and uh, effectively the clear lines of communication and the dedication to everyone there, no matter the hour we were running the operations to get people out. Um, so it, it's, uh, I don't think I could ever compare it to a campaign, because this is, uh, honestly, parts of the extraction operations we ran were more stressful than uh, being in combat in Iraq Um, because you'll get a message sometimes that said, I need help, and then you don't hear anything for like 20 minutes. Um, And finally, you're like, okay, they're good, they got past." and um, providing the guidance. Uh, So, because it's, there are other people's lives on the other end of the line, and we don't know sometimes what happens uh, in real time by by any means.
0: Wow, it's, it's just an incredible story. Now, the the news, of course, today is that, the you know, a U.S. military C-17 carried the last American troops out of Afghanistan, marking the formal end to the war, but leaving behind maybe 100 to 200 Americans and tens of thousands of American Afghan allies. So what's the work ahead look like for you or, or for others who are trying to, you know, make sure everyone who wants to get out of Afghanistan can?
1: Well, the work isn't done because there are still people who need to get out. There are still people there who are in grave danger, and the Taliban will be hunting and going door-to-door to to find. And so whatever efforts we can do to extract them still, um, we're working on a few. Um, It's obviously the options have become much more limited. Um, I really do hope NATO does stand up an agreement at the airport um, where we can get more people out to safety uh, through more traditional means. Um, And the work also continues because once you get someone out of there, um, we've got to ensure the visa process and and, uh, safety landing in the U.S. and being able to resettle and start a new life. Um, It's not easy to come from a country that is war-torn and to a country that is largely one of the best places to live in the world. So that's a shift, and they're going to need support when we arrive here. And the policies were, I mean, I've been working with members of Congress to change some of these policies to bring refugees in because it was, um, it's a lot easier to be able to fly people who are in grave danger straight from Afghanistan to the U.S. But we can't do that in almost all cases because you have to have all the paperwork processed in a third country before you enter. Um, so policies like that can be improved um, to make this much more efficient if we ever have to do this in the future.
0: Is there is, is the group that was kind of you know loosely but sounds like pretty cohesively uh, together prior to the deadline? Is it going to stick together going forward, or or is there new groups forming to address the next stage of the effort?
1: I, I think things are transitioning to some of the uh, resettlement and refugee efforts, but other groups are still continuing the uh, some operations in a hybrid of, um, and I'm, I've actually was part of three groups, I'd say, is one is the Truman National Security Project, really set up a whole command center themselves. And then the group at the hotel, and we've been talking about because they got a lot of attention in the, the Wall Street Journal, but also there was a group that uh, really has been spending a significant amount of time, it is a uh, female free speech, uh, EVAC, which, um, the group of us formed particularly because there's a lot of, There are a lot of people who will be left behind because of their uh, willingness to speak out against the Taliban and because of the fact they just happen to be uh, female. So it's it's really sad that, that, that those number of people will be left behind because they don't have a direct contract with a United States entity over the 20 years they were there. But we're still willing to support us through either the sciences or free speech.
0: So, how do, if somebody wants to learn more about or support the female free speech evac effort, how would you do that?
1: Um, they can reach out to, to me, or just uh, you can go to ffsairlift.org uh, and uh, learn more there, um, or alex at
0: Alex cornell who I want to personally thank you not only for your lifelong service to the country, but just the specific effort of helping to evacuate people from Afghanistan. It's 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 heartwarming to read about, and it's a pleasure and privilege to know you. So thank you very much for joining the podcast. Yeah,
1: no, thank you. I enjoyed chatting. Thank you.
0: Take care.